Derek Jenkins is the head of marketing at Aller and is very passionate about diversity in the sales industry. Earlier this month, he and his team over to Aller tagged me and several other people of color in a post on LinkedIn where they were promoting the advantages of a diverse sales team. So in honor of Black History Month, I thought it would be a good idea to bring him on the show. Okay, Derek. So uh, before you joined Aller, you were a user, right? And I think I would like, I would be remiss if I didn't use the Aller phrase that I think we're trying to drive home now. And that's find your next best customer, but you were finding your next best customer as a user before you came to Aller, right? Correct. Yeah. I was using Aller for a little bit. Um, well, not a little bit, a lot of it before I actually joined the company. Um, two, two, two reasons though. Um, one as a salesperson, I was using it to do some competitor analysis of companies I was already prospecting into to find other companies that look similar to them. Right. So it's like, oh, yeah. all right, if I'm following Pepsi, who are their competitors? Who were, you know, who else? Yep. Cokes, right? Whatever. Look alike, right? Yeah, it just makes right. sense. And then having all that intelligence at hand, so when I could speak to them, right? All the right. latest, the firmographic data, all the news. I was prepared for conversations, and you know, any good salesperson does prep before they go out there, right? right so right. I used it for that. Additionally, I was using it on a personal level for tracking stocks. Oh, that's right. You did say that. That's right. Yeah. So tell me more about that. So uh, not that we need to make this about trading, but uh, <laughs> was that, was that uh, something you were doing inside the trading uh, stocks, like you know, yeah, building like your a... wealth creation and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> the wealth yeah. creation, right. Um, I think just like many people do, they, they dabble in, in that type of, you know, personal investing, right? right? right. And um, again, you need information. Right. Right to make some sound judgments and risk analysis gave, and yeah, yeah. Aller provided that information so I could see what was going on in, in real time with some of those companies that I was you know dabbling in building my wealth. Um, and you get those <laughs> you get those insights those alerts right away. You know what I mean. So I thought that was pretty powerful. So I was using it twofold. Nice, very good. Yeah. Well, there you go. So there's all kinds of use cases there, and you know I'm, I've used Aller myself a ton, and the teams I've worked with have have used it uh, considerably. Uh, love that it has the freemium model where you can kind of mm -hmm. dabble for free a little bit, uh, but then this the paid subscription in having it even integrated, uh, been there, done that, and uh, tremendously yeah. uh, useful. You know, on that account level insights, it's more important right now. Uh, than ever, I think, to avoid false positives, particularly around account selection. So having yeah. a tool like Aller, uh, I mean, we got to we got to plug Aller here up front and I make sure that we're, we're clear on that. But you didn't, you weren't always in the role that you're you're in now as uh, uh, your head of mark, head of marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, but you weren't in that role when you when you came to Aller. Can you talk about the inflection point of coming to Aller and and then being promoted to the role you're in now? Yeah, so I was working in sales on Aller. I joined Aller to help them build their advertising proposition. You know, millions of people use Aller and brands were coming to us to ask, how can, how can we integrate into your newsletter, that newsletter that sends your information about the companies you're following? Um, so I helped them. They were already doing it. I just helped them take it to the another level um, and making it a bona fide business unit, which has been very successful for us. Uh, my background was in advertising sales, so I wanted to try coming to a smaller company to see, you know, am I am I as good as I think I am? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I've been blessed to be part of larger companies where you're a bit protected. You're still working super hard. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I was like, let me let me see if I can do this at a smaller place. And we did. I was also working with the um, sales team selling the Aller product. You know, okay. getting my hands wet. So I was just curious, like, can I can I do this? So sitting doing... on demos and doing the whole yeah, thing. and yeah. learning it again. My background at Acumen and sales said, let me let me try this. So I was doing that there. Um, the previous marketer 
who's a friend of mine. I was helping her out, um, giving her ideas and just doing nice. a bunch of different stuff. So when you're at a small business, it's kind of like you get involved in everything if you choose to, even if you actually, even if you don't want to, you just do. I was heavily leaning into that and just learning all aspects of the business. And when the time came, I raised my hand to say, I think I, I want to, I want to try this thing out. And my boss said, you know, I was thinking about you anyway for this. Let nice. me hear some of your ideas. Um, and, you know, when you're in the B2B sales world and you're a marketer, you're, you're head, for me, my head is very revenue focused. So it's like, what am I doing to drive the business forward? Right. Um, so a lot of my thoughts made sense and we moved forward. Very good. Well, yeah. uh, congratulations on that. And uh, it sounds like a natural evolution for you uh, to be uh, what you're doing. And so talk to us a little bit about your day-to-day, though. I'm, I am curious. I mean, the head of marketing at a company that, for me, is highly well-known is, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, what does head of marketing look like on a day-to-day basis? Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's probably an episode in itself, right? <laughs> but yeah, it is working with the team that we have, working with the sales team as well, um, making sure you know the brand messaging is clear, the partners that we're working with to generate demand are effective, right? Coming up with new ideas to get our message in front of our target audience. Um, you know, and Aller, as you said earlier, appeals to a lot of people. So while majority of people are in sales, we also don't want to ignore the other people who mm-hmm. like it for different reasons, right? right? But how do we, what do we give our focus towards, right? And how do we not ignore those other users of the of the platform? So it's a lot, um, but because it is a sales tool, it, it's fun for me to try to find ways to position it. You know what I mean? And, right, and experiment. Right, right. It's a lot of, you know, what I've learned in as a head of marketing role, it's a lot of experiments, testing and learning, pivoting and, and moving forward right and that it comes up a lot in the interviews is the testing and the iteration and experimentation that it takes to really refine down what works and what doesn't and it's a it's a constant process okay. i i you know went on a down a rabbit hole with this with another guest about how do you test i mean but break it down is there a spreadsheet because i remember like Everybody talks about testing, but you know, not everybody really gets to that act of uh, uh, evolving and optimizing. Um, so I, I imagine that world you're living is very scientific, almost as a kid. I was going to say that's a lot of. I was just going to say that, Derek. It's a lot of um, <laughs> hypothesis, mm-hmm. right? Um, expectations, hopes, and 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 see what see what's working. Yeah, you educated know, cost, assumptions. Mm-hmm. Educated assumptions, calculated risk. Right. And then some long shots and like some passive, like, let's just see if this sticks, right. you know, and sometimes they do, you know, um, and also um, having a great team around you is, is everything. Um, you know, we were acquired by Meltwater over a year ago, so they're a bigger arm and it's been great to lean on them. Very nice. Well, you know, speaking of the team, it's a great segue. Uh, one of the things that we're here or the thing that we're here to talk about is diversity in sales. Mm-hmm. And uh, so talk to me about uh, the the team that you have now and how diverse it might be. The marketing team that I manage? Yeah, I imagine like d- different backgrounds and all yeah, kinds of different. <laughs> there's there's three of us in marketing and there's another sales guy who reports into me as well for the Aller ad business. It is our team is diverse. Um Aller in general was a very diverse organization. When I joined that, I noticed it. Um, and I mean diverse from the whole spectrum. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. not just... Not just race, right? Gender, um, to people 
from different countries. Um, and now with, you know, COVID, us working remotely, people all over this country, right? You know what I mean? So the pool was wider to find find different people. And it has um, definitely facilitated that. I think that you're absolutely. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we were a company based in San Mateo, Silicon Valley. So, you know, when we were not remote, there's a lot of people from the Bay Area. Now we're seeing people from all over the country, which is really exciting, right? right. So again, diversity in thought right there. Diversity in location, diversity, if that's if we can call it that. Right, um, right, right. But my team specifically is very diverse, um, people from all different backgrounds, a few of us. Now, was that intentional? Right, right. Not 100% so, sure. I think it's just the, the way my the way, way it worked out. Um, and my company obviously being open to that and not not even, it's not even a second thought. It's like, find the best people. Right. I think you had mentioned talking about, I, I do want you to be colorblind. And if when you are, then this is the natural effect of it is it doesn't necessarily need to be intentional. If the, you know, color kind color blindness is turned on, then you just, you find the best people. Yeah. We find, find the best people. And, you know, um, we do think about diversity in our hiring practices for sure. It's, it's important. It's at the forefront for absolutely. Right. It's actually a part of it. Yeah. But not my team alone. It was when every time together, like, Oh, wow, look at this. <laughs> this was great. Well, what sparked this discussion, uh, just for those that are listening in, uh, not too long ago, our marketing team uh, put a, a post on LinkedIn and tagged uh, a few people, myself included, uh, in praising uh, them for what they're doing in the sales community around uh, educating people, et cetera, and people that were of color specifically. And mm-hmm. in light of it being Black History Month, we thought, hey, let's get two Derek's together and <laughs> let, let's talk about this. And yeah, we want to make sure up front that those that are listening in is that while we definitely are two men of color, uh, diversity for us as well means more than just race. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, but the post specifically uh, quoted you and saying uh, uh, a few different things. So diversity is beneficial and critical to long-term success of any business. It's even more critical for sales teams to be diverse because as the workplace evolves, so will your customer. This doesn't mean that the sales executives should exclusively work with customers who are aligned with the diversity or otherness. However, a diverse sales team has experience navigating their careers amongst others with varying backgrounds. Can you double click on that for me a little bit? Because I think it it really hones in on something that we're we're trying to echo here around diversity is uh, far more than just race. Yes, it it is far more than race you know I, I i think i referenced earlier like diversity in thought you know what i mean um i think about certain places in the world or even systems where certain or industries where they just recruit from the ivy leagues right mm-hmm. right that not is everyone a model, has yeah. not a, that is a model mm-hmm. not every and and, and you, you see that in these companies um you know everyone there went to an ivy league nothing wrong with that right but you're looking at one track kind of person potentially, right? Not everyone has a chance to go to an Ivy League, not because of the aptitude. They may not have had the money. Access. Mm-hmm. Access, right? So first thing in thought, race, women, um, you know, sexual orientation, um, socioeconomic backgrounds. Now, you don't necessarily ask these people on an interview, but my point is when you open up the pool, like really, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of criticizing those companies that just look for certain, you know, right, absolutely. Ivy Leaguers. You open up the pool, you realize some great people out here, absolutely, all different backgrounds, and it's going to make our company better and our sales teams better. Um, a woman who I've known for a little bit, 
shared with me a recent report, a Forrester report that LinkedIn commissioned that showed that sales organizations that embrace DEI actually have a higher average lead to conversion rate, 28% higher. Hmm. That's incredible. Right. I'll send you that report. Yes, please. I think we'll, we'll drop that in the show notes. Yeah, I'll try to find it for you. But things like that just prove my point. It's a data point. It's not just anecdotes here. It's a data point, Mm -hmm. proof points that diversity does benefit businesses in the short term and long term. And not that is businesses that are committing to putting diversity at the forefront, right? It's it's important. It It can't just be on one or two people. You have to all be in. Right. And recognize that maybe there was some challenges. Maybe we didn't think about it. But having that frank conversation internally and saying we need to do better. Yeah, you know, I'm curious how often companies look at the applicant pool uh, across the organization and then, you know, really assess what the opportunity to the outcome really was. Um, you know, what was the the spread? You know, you can only see so much of individuals, but then, mm-hmm. um, you know, where did we land in terms of the people we did hire for these three openings, as an example? Uh, you know, it's I don't know that that happens too often. I've personally never been part of it, but as we think about that and the hiring practices, that's kind of where I go is like, how do you keep yourself honest and remove that bias in that, in that process? Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's an evolving thing. And then obviously I, I would throw in that as our, you know, especially in business to business sales, as our boards, you become more diverse. I think mm-hmm. there, there's a natural extension of that. One thing that, uh, and again, I, it comes back to navigating life and the skills that you you acquire in that process. And you were talking to me a lot about that offline in terms of, and I, I, that's what I take from your quote a bit too, is that as we have experiences navigating our careers, right? As someone who's a diverse person, you have to divert, you have to navigate your career differently than someone who's not a minority. Well, it's all I've known, right? Right. Right. It's, it's 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 all I've I've known. I'm very much used to being the only black face in the class, mm-hmm. or the dorm, or a company, a conference room. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm I'm used to it. So navigating this is not new to me. It's as natural to me as anything else. It's literally all I know. Right. And many people like me, it's all they know too. Right. And it's translating that skill into driving revenue it's like how, success. Those... i know how to i know how to engage with different people right exactly right i also studied multiple languages throughout my life i've lived abroad talk about choice, that you spent right? nine years in london and that was that was eye-opening i thought yeah i spent nine years in london um you know left my job in new york and said i'm gonna go to england i i went to europe in college in like a study abroad type program in spain okay. and just fell in love with my travels around europe and said someday i'm getting back there Right. And I, I did. I went over there. Working in London was definitely different than working in America. Um, positive and negatives, but mostly mostly positive, I would say. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have stayed for nine and a half years. Right. Um, but it was it was definitely an experience. And I think about diversity over there, how it's handled um, and what I what I saw and experienced was, is was different than what I saw in America. Um, that could be a whole other segment as well, but it is. We'll it double is. click on that. Do you, I mean, the, the opportunity, uh, opportunity ceiling or perceived ceiling here versus London. Can you talk about that? Yeah, in terms of the ceiling, I definitely felt that for people of color in England, there was more. There was a lower ceiling. 
Mm. You know, mm -hmm. um, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, so I mean, they they have a few thousand years on us. I believe you know that's uh, that that culture there is far more developed, and, and you know, it's, I'd say some of the cultural norms are far more ingrained. The United States yeah. is still a relatively young country. Yeah, definitely. Maybe maybe lower something wasn't the right term. I'm sorry about that. I think for black people, from what I saw over there, I didn't see as many people in senior level roles okay. as I did in America. Um, and I have friends who are black who have moved to America from England. And I've said that I think there's more opportunity for us here. That's a good call out. That's you know? a great call out. Yeah. Um, so I may have I missed the line when I said lower ceiling, but I think it's how you look at it. Yeah. Um, but um, I did notice that over there. Now, it didn't stop me from trying to excel, you know what I mean? Trying to break through as best I can. Um, but it was just something I, I noticed. I'm not saying America's got it right either. I think we all have work to do. Totally. Yeah. So right? I agree. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, it's not going to be something that's uh, going to be fixed quickly. No. And, you know, I don't know that fix is even the right term. You know, I think it's, there's a certain level of, uh, inequity that you probably experience in every region and it's unfortunate uh, it is a reality and but we make strides to get as close to the middle as we can right right and if, if i if i can continue on for a bit about england is not just about color but i'm also an american uh, well i'm also different right? right i'm a different i'm from a different different nationality to people there good or bad or how you look at it it's not a point of differentiation that makes me stand out mm -hmm. yet again and I'm not someone who runs from things like this. I kind of just bulldoze in. You like it, you Embrace like it, it, you don't move on. You know, I'm, I'm not changing. You know, right, right, I right. can't, I physically can't. This is this is the package. <laughs> yeah, and getting comfortable in your skin and uh, just pressing forward. I know for me in my career was something I had to adjust to uh, at, at some point. And I felt though when I kind of came to that realization that you know, I'm going to bring my full, authentic, whole self to what I do. Um, and, you know, I, I, for me, I, I think it helped catapult my career. You know, it helped me be more comfortable in my surroundings. You know, for, for so long, you kind of stand out. And you, for me, grow up in, in that environment, you know, where you're the only black face in the office, in the company. And it happens frequently. Uh, you, you start trying to conform or maybe I, 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 I did. And I realized that it wasn't about that. I didn't need to conform as much. And, um, when I embraced my full authentic self, I didn't just leaned into it and like, take it as it is, you know, and stop worrying about what they thought about me so much and realize a lot of this was in my head. Then, uh, you know, I think things kind of took off for me in a, in a lot of ways there. So, uh, I'm glad you're open uh, with us about this. This, you know, is definitely something that can be inspiring to those that are are of a minority or marginalized class that uh, you know want to see folks like us in positions like what you have. Right? It, it is possible, and you're speaking out about it is you know obviously commendable. Um, I do want to go back a little bit further, if I can. Uh, mm -hmm. You you grew up in New Jersey to very young parents. You had told me. And mm -hmm. who defied the odds. Tell me yeah. about how, you know, their uh, careers or how they impacted your career, I should say. Yeah, growing up to, with young parents, I mean, I, I'll say I was, I was born to teenage parents. Mm -hmm. And I say defied the odds because I don't know the stats on this, but often the levels of success, the, high, the heights of success aren't, aren't always there when people start so young. 
and are minorities on top of that, right? Right, right, right. I didn't see my my parents didn't fall prey to that. They just kept knocking doors down, just plowing through things. And again, it was all I saw. You know what I mean? So um, as I got older, recognizing, wow, they were so young. You know, I was I was seven with parents who were in their twenties. How did and they, they did do, all how that? They do this? You know what I mean? How did they manage to raise four kids? Right. Right. Well, four. Oh, I didn't even. I, I should have asked you that. Yeah, there's, there's, siblings there's four of us. Yeah, there's siblings. <laughs> Not they kept going. Right. <laughs> um, having wow. four kids and and be what I what I consider very successful. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and success isn't just determined by wealth, but yeah, they have yeah. four kids who are happy, law-abiding citizens who have their own careers, doing well in their own families, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget your original question. I'm sorry. Well, how did it impact your career choices and how, how you it, navigated your career? You know, when you look at their example, I I looked at their example and saw that um, nothing was impossible, mm-hmm. and that something my father always taught me was like education and hard work will always pay off. Even as there's obstacles, it will always pay off. And hard work, he, he was kind of an old school guy. Oh, hard work would be like showing up early, staying late. It will first always one pay in, off. Last first one in, last one out. Yeah. You know, and these are these are old tactics that they do, they work. It makes sense. So I I had that in me. As a kid, I had jobs. My first job, I was 12 or 11, you know, doing something. Right. And they always built that work ethic in me to get things on your own, to do it on your own. And the pride you get from achieving things on your own financially and even professionally, knowing that you did that, no one gave you a handout, no one gave you anything. My parents, you know, besides, you know, the the basics, food, clothing, love and shelter and education, they did that. But everything else was earned. You're on your, you're on your own. Right, right. You're on your, you're, you're on your own. Would they help as needed? Sure, of course. But for the most part, it was, I was inspired by they did on their own. I could see it. And like, if they can about, do it on their own with the, you know, Things the they challenges, were facing. The things yeah. they were facing, not, you know, just natural things that a young person faces when they have a child, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's daunting to have kids, whatever age you are, but imagine being a late teenager and a child, you know? Um, I and, and what they've done is amazing. And it's it was very aspirational, not to have a kid at a young age, but to see what you could actually do. Right. And, you know, you know I think a lot of folks uh, will look at that. It should be a shining example because... Mm. Just because life happens in that degree doesn't mean that life has to stop. And, you know, not everybody is driven that way. And I think you you saw that you must have seen that early that th- there's another version of that where, you know, four kids, young, we're, we're just going to kind of just do our best and, you know, tread water, if you will. And we're not going to really. And it sounds like they persevered. They worked hard and they provided and made the sacrifices for you and your siblings. So you could be where, where you are today. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And paid forward, too, which is what they were really big on. That's doing like charity work and volunteer work. And, you know, as I, I watched us move from different neighborhoods and different socioeconomic classes. Um, and that was a family effort, you know, um, mm-hmm. as my parents were working hard, they used to always teach us "Well, your job is school, you know, and as I, as I look back on it, I think there was a bigger picture there. It's like, you guys look great in school. It makes us look good as a whole family, right? They're doing their bit. We're doing, we all did our bit to raise each other up. And um, it was intentional. There was always goal setting. We used to have these discussions every year before school started about goals. 
Now, when you're a kid, you're like, okay, another year. Great. She's talking again. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're right. instilling that that drive in you. Right? Yeah. And they, they would talk about race stuff, too. I was going to ask you, did they talk much they, about, I mean, I, uh, I imagine they helped you navigate some of that as, at a young age. Massively. Mm. That chat that people have, well, some people have to have with their kids at a young age about that. They had it. Some people have to have that chat. Not some people have, have to have chat, it. Yeah. They had it. I remember telling friends of mine in 2020 during the whole BLM movement, what this was like. Um, and they're like, really? Your parents had that chat? Yeah, they had that chat mm. every year before school. And again, it became repetitious where like, I got sick of hearing it, but I realized as I got older, there was a reason why they were doing it um, as a motivator and awareness as well. So yeah, it was watching Those them. Those conversations are really important. I know, you know, my, my parents had them with me as well. You know, I'm biracial, mom is white and I was black and I grew up in a predominantly white uh, environment mm -hmm. that was relatively well-to-do and, you know, we weren't. Uh, so those conversations were pretty regular and, and dad was always, look, you know, be mindful, but don't be bitter, you know, and exactly. be aware of it. But at the end of the day, like you're going to make yours on the merit of what mm -hmm. you do and how you perform. And, you know, it sounds like that's kind of a message I would imagine you echo as well. Absolutely. The same message. And it was important. Um, but yeah, back to your question, watching my parents' growth was super inspiring and important for me to see. And others around us saw it too. Cousins, mm -hmm. friends saw it and recognized it. Like, look what these guys are doing. Wow, look at that. And so, you know, because this is a sales-oriented podcast, you know, you mm -hmm. after, you know, you you did get into sales at some point after uh, you were, you were a waiter through college <laughs> yeah. and, you know, uh I advertising and sales you had mentioned so talk about your lessons of you know selling uh it doesn't need to be necessarily around the diversity angle but you know looking at sales then and looking at sales now you know what are you what are your, what are your thoughts i think i i was always in some form of sales and marketing mm. even if as far back as a kid if I wasn't selling something door to door to someone, you know, like something for Boy Scouts, I remember selling these candles or these chocolate bars or something like that, right? right yeah. Or working with school theater to help them put on events. I was always doing it. It was a natural progression. I think back to my parents, I think their ambition for me would probably do something with law because I love to argue, you know, and I think a lot of parents see, um, you know, doctor, lawyers, those types of professions is the one you should go for. Not thinking that, you know, there's money to be made in sales and it's quite a career too, you know, right. just as lucrative as those other jobs. Um, so I knew I had an idea of where I wanted to go, despite what I was being told in my head I should do, which was Wall Street was another one to do that. So I tried that. Well, yeah, too. you mentioned the trading earlier. So I imagine there was an aptitude yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I studied some, I studied finance in college and started to do that and realized I really want to do the sales bit. Um, I think that's my, that's sales and marketing. That that's my strength, um, connecting with people, getting right. to know people, building relationships and, um, making revenue from it. Well, this has been highly enlightening. Uh, where should people go if they want to connect with you or learn more about Owler? So you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm not on many other social channels. Um, Aller.com as well to learn more about the Aller platform um there's resources on there to learn all about the platform and connect with us on there if you want to take a demo just saying if you want to <laughs> go in there your um, team uh, helps facilitate those <laughs> programs and those exactly. forms yeah. we'll take we'll take that and you can say you heard about derek if you want but linkedin's a great way to reach out to me at any given time you've been listening to the sales consultant podcast if you enjoyed the interview and would like to support the show please be sure to rate and review us on apple podcast and or on spotify 
please also consider following our LinkedIn page. If you're an industry expert or if you know an industry expert that should be on the show, message us on LinkedIn at the Sales Consultant Podcast.